This episode of the Red Bull Rant is brought to you by the fine patrons that support us through patreon.com slash Rant. You can support us for the low, low price of $1 a month, and you can get exclusive content, including a monthly wrap-up for the New York Red Bulls. We want to send a special shout-out to our patrons who support us at $5 a month. That is our producer-level reward. Thank you to Jeremiah Dempster, William Martin, Clayton John, and Christopher Admack. Now, on to the show. The Red Bull Rant is a free-flowing conversation amongst three lifelong wackos that may contain adult language. Listener discretion is advised. From the suburban sprawl of New Jersey, this is the Red Bull Rant Podcast. I am your host, Pat McDonald, and this is episode 313. Introduce a little anarchy. That's right. I am all alone on this episode. Unfortunately, both Jay and Truman are unavailable this week. Truman being on his honeymoon, obviously. And Jason is at the vegan bakery attending as many problems as possible ever since the egg scandal broke. So we definitely have some issues there. Uh, So you have just me on this episode. Uh, On this episode, we will be talking all things soccer the New York Red Bulls uh, against Philadelphia, their Open Cup loss against New England. We'll also be touching upon the U-20s in the United States, uh, the U.S. men's national team's recent woes, and the U.S. women's national team at the World Cup. Uh, but first, I think, you know, we should do a little recap of what happened this past weekend. All three of us, uh, Red Bull Rant hosts, were up in New Haven, Connecticut, celebrating Truman's wedding. Uh, it was a... Very, very nice uh, ceremony. They had it done right on the beach um, there up in New Haven. It was quite a beautiful thing to see. Um, so I think good times were had by were had all around. Uh, at one point, the New Jersey Devils mascot showed up. Uh, so that was certainly a first for me at the wedding. Um, I guess the first thing I could talk to you about is uh, some anecdotes. Jason and I both... We uh, took a Uber to the wedding, and we took a lift from the wedding. Um, so our Uber was great. Uh, it really was. I'm going to see if I can very quickly get the driver's name, because she really was tremendous, went above and beyond, um, you know, in terms of service. And I just want to give her a shout-out, even though I doubt she's listening. Uh, but if you're ever in the New Haven area, and you can get a ride with Nianta, I hope I'm saying that correctly, she is a tremendous uh, driver, so definitely, um, you know, keep an eye out for her. Now, as for our Lyft home, this is not an Uber versus Lyft thing, because I've had good dri- Lyft drivers, I've had bad Lyft drivers, I've had good Uber drivers, bad uh, Uber drivers. This guy was a weirdo, and I'm not going to name him by name, uh, because I guess even weirdos need to earn money, too. Um, you know, it's... Let's put it this way, there isn't such a thing as guy talk, but it really should be kept amongst friends, and even then, I think this guy kind of crossed the line. I mean, so we get in the car, and it's like barely a couple minutes in, you know, he's just like, he's like, hey guys, you know, my son, he's dating a girl, right? And she came over, and she had like big boobs, and then like, her shirt got wet, and I'm like, oh my god, I can see your boobs, but then they look weird, and I'm like, yo, why are your boobs weird? And she's like, I got piercings. So she showed me your boobs. It was, it was crazy, guys. It was crazy. And, like, it didn't stop there. Because then, not long after that, he showed that he had his car modified. 
so that the lights were purple to kind of match his lift, uh, you know, branding. And he's usually like, check this out, the lights are purple. And when girls get in the back, they're like, oh, how do my boobs look in these lights? And all these girls whipping out their boobs? I mean, it was, it was beyond creepy. I texted Jay at one point, I was like, 50-50, we get murdered on this ride home. Uh, fortunately, we were not murdered, um, but we did not tip him, and we did not give him a five-star review. So that's our little, my little anecdote to open the show from Truman's Wedding. Let's get on to soccer. Uh, on the day of Truman's Wedding, the New York Rebels faced off against the Philadelphia Union. They dropped a 3-2 result uh, on the road. Um, this was certainly a tough match to watch because they went up 2-0 early. Uh, really looked like they were running away with the game. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's... Uh, Let's go into a little bit of analysis first. Um, you know, I know a lot of criticisms have been, you know, thrown towards Connor Lade's way, and he certainly did not have a good game. It also did not help that Amor Tarek had to be taken off for, or, um, you know, for Sean Nealis. That did not help the situation whatsoever either. Um, so it was not necessarily surprising that the uh, union went on to run, uh, run up the score for three goals and come away with the win. I will say, and I think this is kind of my dislike, is that we saw that Andre Blake was able to play for Jamaica, which means that Kamar Lawrence was also available to play for the Red Bulls. And I, I get to an extent what uh, Chris Armour said in that he had just played 90 minutes on Wednesday. He, you know, he, he has not been injured. He has been injured not long ago. You want to be careful. But I think it was foolish to not at least have him on the bench as a possible option. Um because once that first goal was given up, especially and you're now down to three backup defenders, uh, you might want to get one of your best defenders out there. So my dislike is Chris Armas not bringing that, uh, not having uh, Kamar Lawrence available. Um, I think that was a really foolish mistake. Um, you know, it, it may have kept this game firmly in the Red Bulls' hands. Uh, my like is going to be Brian White. Uh, Brian White continues to impress. Uh, I think that goal of his is one that you see of a striker playing with the utmost confidence. Um, you know, it, it's if you know, no, there are not many strikers who'd be willing to try that to try to pop one over the goalkeeper like that and get one in. And that was a hell of a goal. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still not ready to say Brian White's the next uh, best thing for the US, uh, U.S. men's national team. But he's certainly having a uh, quite the season right now. And I, even with reports of BWP being healthy and training with the team again, uh, it's really hard to see him replacing Brian White right now. Uh, Brian White is playing some fantastic soccer, and it's really exciting to see. Um, now, as for, um, you know, afterthoughts, I think Kaku is another one who deserves a shout-out. I think they're doing a, he's doing a tremendous job. Um, you know, it's, he's really gone a long way to rehabilitating his image and he seems to be back fully focused. I mean, it may again purely be because he knows his uh, price tag only goes up the better he plays. Um, but Hey, we'll take it. Right. Uh, other afterthoughts. I mean, I've seen some stuff about, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to defend Connor late again. Uh, you know, because I, I, I Yes, he is not a great left back, but I once again would challenge anybody to find me a great backup left back in this league, especially when there's so few great starting left backs in this league. Um, 
you know, it, again, I I think Armis should have had Lawrence on the bench as a possible, you know, the spell um, late in this case. So, yeah, make of that what you will. Um, you know, I did forget to read tweets, and I know we got a few. Let me see if I can find some. All right, so first, Casey Jones, Grateful Shred 23. Decided to dust off one of my old records, even though it's broken. The title is, Lade's a nice guy, but shouldn't be the left back. Left back, backup starter. All right. Uh, CNY Metro Star at CNY Metro at CNY underscore Metro ninety six. A game of two halves. What the absolute fuck? And then a gif of Ron Burgundy saying, "What is this amateur hour?" Yeah, that wasn't a very good impression. Sorry about that. Uh, Jim Curtin's new agent uh, at Rich underscore Lori. Uh, how many fans are going to jump ship and support NYC after this debacle? Uh, not many, Jim. Also, how many Rebels fans are going to secretly watch the Union every week now to see Il Signo? None. I have a feeling he's a Union fan, so the answer is none across the board. Sorry there, buddy. All right. Uh, let's go in. I think our next batch of tweets is for the Open Cup. And since we're going to go into that next, I'll start with those. Uh, one is, again, CNY, a Metro Star, at CNY underscore Metro 96. Uh, shows a gif of a man kicking a garbage can. I'm not exactly sure what that's from. That could be from Jay's favorite show that he keeps playing the one thing from. Uh, next, uh, Tonino M, at Tonino M, uh, how do you chip the keeper who's 6'4"? Good question. Good question. Uh, again, he adds, need a difference maker. Don't care what anyone says. I 100% agree with you. And I know you said this in reference to the Open Cup. We'll get into my feelings about that Open Cup shortly. But the Rebels, I think, are in desperate need of that third designated player. Been harping on it all season long. CMY Adventure Star is at, back with us again. Back to back 3-2 losses while having leads. Embarrassing. Uh, again, I'll get into my thoughts on the Open Cup. And many of you already know what they are. Uh, Jeremiah at Red Coach J. Not great, Bob. It's a gif. I believe it's from Mad Men. All right. And uh, then there's questions after that. I'll get to that after um, we talk about the Open Cup. Uh, so, yes, the Rebels went up to the Montclair State Park and played the New England Revolution. They lost 3-2 on a late goal by Teal Brimbury. Um... See, the unfortunate thing about your Open Cup angst that you all may be having if you're coming here for Catharsis, it is unfortunate that both Jay and Schumann are not here. They care about this tournament much more than I do. Um, I, I just, I don't buy in. I, I don't buy into a tournament that looks even worse on television than a regular Red Bull game at Red Bull Arena. And looking at the highlights from... Uh, this past game, they couldn't even sell out a smaller venue, only having 2,500 fans. I'm sorry, guys. I, I just don't care. And I, I have no problem with the lineup that Armas played. Uh, I think he should have at this stage in the tournament played a mostly B. You might even want to argue C lineup. Um, you know, it, it's just if people aren't showing up for that, you don't risk your starters. You just don't. You just don't risk them to injury. And, um, you got to put your you got to put your all your eggs in the basket of the games that fans do care about. And I know that there is a small minority of you that love this tournament, but it's it's comes it's common sense. And unfortunately, that's what it is. You you got to where the money comes in. Not that this team's making that much money, I don't think. 
or at least they're not spending what they're making. Um, you know, it's, it just is what it is, you know? And so therefore I am not, I, I forget where it was. There was something, one of the sports talk shows they were talking about another, uh, team, uh, that I was, you know, that I was listening to. And they basically said how really the team is not out there to please the hardcores because the hardcores are always going to show up. Uh, it's, you got to be out there and please the people that come every once in a while. And that means playing your strongest lineups for regular season matchups that people show up to, not the Open Cup. So for me personally, good riddance Open Cup. I'm glad I don't have to worry about it until next year. All right, I'll go with a question now here. I got from Casey Jones, Grateful Shred 23. He said, how more apparent is the lack of depth with RBNY fullbacks have to get before it's addressed? Is the USMNT really that bad? And did the USM- USWNT send message, don't mess with us or make a larger bullseye or target on them due to the celebrations? Okay, all great questions. Uh, the first one, again, this kind of goes back to the point I said about uh, Connolly and the back of fullbacks. I mean, look, we have a team that won't even get a third designated player. Uh, you know, And in a salary cap league, it's really, really hard to make your backups, you know, starter quality, especially at fullback, I think, especially at left fullback, where quite simply there aren't even, due to the lack of lefties, there aren't that many in uh, the world. So it it is tough. I I think there are other needs that this team, much like Tonino M said, where this team could spend money, and that being on a third designated player who can make a difference. Um, You know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, the plus is it was a loss on the road. It wasn't a loss at home though it was to a division rival. So uh, I would argue that there probably aren't many backup left backs worse than, uh, or backup fullbacks, I should say, worse than both, um, you know, Kyle Duncan and Connor Laid. But eh, good question nonetheless. Your next question, is the U.S. MNT really that bad? I would say no. Um, Again, I think they were missing a lot of starters. Um, You know, Michael Bradley wasn't playing, who was probably a starter now, considering the injury to Tyler Adams, who also was not playing. Christian Pulisic, Josie Althor, you know, probably should have been playing from the start. Um, There's a lot of players missing. So it's hard to fully judge this team, but the lack of urgency and all that stuff, which I will get into in a little bit, it is worrisome. And it might be, it might behoove Greg Berhalter to simplify the system at this stage of the game, Um, you know, just to at least get through the Gold Cup and not embarrass yourselves. Now, finally, did the U.S. women send a message? Or do they have a target? A bit of both. I mean, you know, again, I'll get into this a little bit more lately. Um, but I, I, after everybody was gushing all over, you know, France's performance against South Korea, I think, and the U.S. women just had to sit there and watch the World Cup for so long. I think they were eager to get out there and, you know, show them what they were all about, even against a lowly team like Thailand. Uh, and if they got a bullseye on them, We'll get into that in a little bit. All right, so we are done with the Red Bulls. We are going to, there's no games to preview. Uh, They do not come back, I believe, until, let's do a quick little check. Uh, Until, I believe, June 28th. Let's see if I am correct, and we will absolutely have another show before then. Uh, Yeah, June 25th, June 28th. So we will most likely address that some point in two weeks uh, before that game. 
Um, so we are going to move on to the U.S. national teams. Uh, first up would be the U-20s. This would be a game that we watched at uh, before Truman's wedding. Myself, Truman Jay, and a couple of other Truman's friends. Uh, the U.S. U-20s gave a valiant fight, but unfortunately dropped uh, to Ecuador 2-1, who was a tournament favorite. Hey, look, you knock out one tournament favorite, get knocked out by another. Not the end of the world. Uh, they definitely did give Ecuador, I think, everything they could. And if you watched the game and you saw a second goal and you thought it was offside, we did too, even after multiple replays. But there is a picture out there that shows that, in fact, the goal scorer was behind the ball. Uh, I think we forgot in the time that, you know, it's it's behind the ball and not behind the defender. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a valid goal. Um, hey, look, this is the third straight tournament. The U.S. U-20s have made the quarterfinals. Um, all we can hope is that eventually that starts paying off for both. Uh, well, the Olympic team is up next in terms of the U setup, but also in terms of the men's national team. That would be great. Now, there is plenty of analysis to go with the United States men's national team. Um, after a kind of, you know, honeymoon period of four games under Greg Berhalter, he absolutely blew two friendlies against Jamaica and Venezuela, losing to a, uh, I don't want to call Jamaica too lowly. I mean, to be fair, in that game, I think the best player on the field was Kamar Lawrence. So you, you got to go there. I mean, he played pretty much a B lineup against, well, also a lot of USL players on Jamaica. Losing one nothing, um, and then they followed it up with a three, with a few more starters, but a three nothing loss to uh, Venezuela. <sighs> I I look. I'm going to tell you right now. There's a lot to uncork here. Um, I do think Burhalter made a huge mistake in not playing a first choice lineup in one or both of these games. I think you got to use this time to gel as much as possible uh, with the meaningful games. I mean, look, there are some people out there who say, oh, what does the Gold Cup matter? What does the Gold Cup matter? Look, the U.S. men's national team have to get back to a winning mentality. They absolutely have to. You know, it's... That is... A Gold Cup, level of competition of the Gold Cup or not, they got to get back to winning. And that's not to say that I think they're going to win this thing. I don't think they're going to. But... Uh, you got to do your best. Now, the other flip side of that is U.S. soccer deserves a huge part of the blame here. I mean, one of the things people have been harping about is that Berhalter's system is very complicated. And when you don't have guys around for a long, it's hard to instill a complicated scheme. But here's the thing. When Bruce Arena was fired, we knew Greg Berhalter was going to be the coach. When Ernie Stewart was hired, we knew Greg Berhalter was going to be a coach. And yet, they waited a full year before they hired Greg Berhalter and now have given them six months before their first major tournament to instill his system. That's just not enough time. That's just not enough time to get to know the player pool, to get certain experiments out which you want to try, which he did try in these two games. He's tried experimental lineups that just did not work. Um, I, we've also seen it with coaches where they have their favorites, where, as we can see, what Burhalter does, with Giassi Zardes and Will Trapp. I would say Will Trapp is certainly on that side of, I don't know if he should be in a U.S. national team jersey right now. Uh, Giassi Zardes, you know, he scores a goal here and there. Um, but I guess you could talk, he kind of relates to the whole Josh Sargent situation. Um, like, it, I think these are things he could have figured out by now if he had had more time. Um, like, there's nothing wrong with failing 
when like there's not a tournament on the line coming up and you know you're trying to see what you have what you can accomplish um and he just didn't have that time so does that mean if the u.s crashes out that he gets passed i'm not sure but uh you know, I, I, I do think U.S. soccer deserves some of the blame, despite the fact that I think Greg Berhalter should have known better to uh, start his best players. So we saw it in the Klinsman era when you just mix and match every freaking game, no continuity, no chemistry is built, and that ends up hurting the team when the games start mattering. Uh, one point I was going to harp on was that Tyler Adams, this Tyler Adams at the right back position needs to go away because, look, Tyler Adams can destroy... Uh, everything in the midfield. We've seen it at the Red Bulls. We've seen it at Red Bull Leipzig. Um, you know, he should be installed at the number six, but unfortunately, due to a groin injury, he will not be in this tournament anymore. Uh, my choice now would be, hey, shoot me if you want, Michael Bradley. I think he he is not as fast as he used to be, but he is, I think, a he has more of a soccer acumen than Will Trapp. Will Trapp has shown twice now he is not up to task um there's no kyle beckerman coming to, to save anybody there's no jermaine jones coming in to save anybody I, I think your best choice at that sixth position right now is michael bradley um like it or not and i think he'll be good enough to get you through uh some of the concacaf minnows once you get to the costa rica's jamaica's uh, mexico's of the world we'll see and let's not forget about Canada. Everyone's harping on them, although we've seen this story before. Everybody uh, trumped up Canada as the next big thing, and then in the Gold Cup, they kind of failed to deliver. But hey, I'm part Canadian, so I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him. Um, the other big debate that kind of came out of this is Josh Sargent. Um, he was left home off the roster. Look, um, it's funny because we'd recorded after the Jamaica game. I might have had a different opinion than what I'm about to say. After Jamaica game, I would have said, hey, look, he's rusty. Uh, he played, I think I've seen the numbers, like under 200 minutes since January um, in all competitions, not even youth and senior team. He's played under 200 minutes. He's a rusty. He's young. He'll get his time. Uh, and against Jamaica, look, he, he did miss, what, two shots he probably should have put away? So... Uh, you know, from that, from my immediate Jamaica uh, analysis, I would have said I understand it. <laughs> Having watched Giassi's artists against Venezuela, eh, I think I've softened on that a little bit uh, because, hey, look, um, yeah, Josh Sargent did miss goals he should have put away, but he did at least put them on frame. Uh, I mean, I vaguely recall Giassi's artists maybe getting a chance or two and skying him into the crowd. So, uh, yeah, maybe. Josh Sargent would have been the better choice. Uh, hell, maybe even... I mean, Bobby Wood has had an awful season in the Bundesliga, but we've seen what he can do with the national team. Maybe he even would have been a better, better choice. Uh, but in the end, at least for the immediate future, like it or not, this is Josie Altidore's job to lose. Uh, Josie Altidore settled down the team uh, in the second half against Venezuela. Um, and he is a CONCACAF killer. I mean, he has had many great gold cups in the past, um, you know, where he just piles up the goals. So, you know, it's, I think, you know, will he be the guy? If he's the guy in 2022, we got a lot to worry about. But um, for now, I think he's still the best striker in the pool and will, 
do what he can. Uh, in terms of bringing Sargent in after the group stage, I don't think that is something happening in the Gold Cup anymore. I don't think he could switch guys out. So I think the 23-man roster right now uh, is pretty much set in stone throughout the tournament. And one addition to that is I believe Reggie Cannon was brought in to replace Tyler Adams. So I guess that brings us on to the Guiana preview, which next week will be played at 10 p.m. on Tuesday on F live on FS1. They will play in Minnesota on the brand-new Allianz Field. That'll be very interesting to see the lit up for the U.S. national team. I'm curious to see what the Minnesota fans bring out. Uh, should be an interesting game. Look, it's Guiana. The one, the one advantage to you know blowing these last two friendlies is that Guiana, honest to God, they should be able to walk out Landon Donovan on a Landon Donovan on a crutch, and they should still beat Guiana. So, uh, you know, let's let's hope it's a domineering U.S. national team performance that brings hope back into this tournament. Um, you know, you want uh, no joke. You want to see five, six goals against a t uh, an opponent like this. Um, so, but if, you know, if they score one or two, uh, obviously, and they let one in, you know, the, the panic will set in for sure. Um, you know, it's... If I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to go with a, a lineup, I'm going to, you know, up, you know, back, I'm still going to give it to Zach Steffen despite his brutal last two games where he made true horrific decisions uh, passing out of the back. Uh, I'm going to start Nick Lima on the right back. Here's the one thing, going back to my Tyler Adams point before, is that I think Nick Lima has this hybrid thing down pretty well. He played it very well against, against admittedly, against inferior competition in the January friendlies. He seems to be at least someone who understands his job. So I think Nick Lima should be at the right back. Center backs, I would start Walker Zimmerman. I think I'd still trout out our boy uh, Aaron Long. Maybe give him another game to rest. I don't know. But I also think Guiana might be the right one to get him back into the groove. Um, Long did not have a good game against Venezuela. Um, but we have seen him on the national team before play well. Obviously, Red Bull fans have seen him play well at, in, for the Red Bulls. You know, he, he, was, he hadn't played a competitive match in six months. So, or six months. I'm sorry, six weeks. So it's not exactly a shocker that he was so poor against, uh, you know, against uh, Venezuela. Not that he had much help from the number six wheel trap. Uh, left back, you know, I'm going to go with Daniel Lovitz. That's who I'd put there, although I do think Greg Berhalter is going to put in Tim Ream, another former Metro. Uh, I said before six, I'd put in uh, Michael Bradley, let him play there, uh, middle of the park. I personally put in Dwayne Holmes and... Uh, and uh, good lord, Weston McKinney, uh, blanked on his name. Um, Dwayne Holmes has, it is well, far too early to say he is going to be the next number 10 for this team, but he is the closest thing to a number 10 we have. That being said, I do think uh, Greg Berhalter will put Christian Pulisic in the middle. Pulisic, I would put out wide with Tyler Boyd on the other side. Tyler Boyd had some very nice free kicks and crosses against Venezuela that just. Nothing was made of. Um, again, also too early to determine what he's going to be. But again, Guiana is a team where I think you can put these guys out there um, and see what they can do. You know, that being said, because I think Pulisic will be in the middle, I think probably Paul Ariola will now uh, occupy the other wing spot. And then a striker, I put Josie out the door. Uh, and I think Bert Halter will do the same. So. That's what I think should happen, and I think the U.S. needs to make a statement against Guyana and just pound them into the ground.
Um, otherwise, you can have. I mean, look in the end, if they win every game one nothing, who cares? But I, I do think they need to get some uh, fan base uh, credit back, and uh, winning handily would do that. Now, I did this both sequentially, and because you might as well, hey, let's save the best for last. Uh, the U.S. Women's National Team, they opened up their World Cup uh, run against Thailand, an inferior Thailand, and uh, they won 13 nothing. And to everybody complaining that they ran up the score, wah. That's what I have to say, wah. All right? Look, one, I think a lot of the pundits said goal differential is crucial. You really think Sweden's going to let up when they play Thailand? Hell no. Hell no. So you score all the goals you can. You do not take your foot off the pedal. This is a World Cup. Meg Linehan of The Athletic put it very nicely where she said, you don't win by playing nice. And now there were a lot of people saying, hey, look, the celebration was over the top. Um, you know, they really didn't need to celebrate goals 8 through, you know, 13. But hey, let's put it this way. One, goal 8 was, you know, Alex Morgan scoring a hat-trick. You're really not supposed to celebrate a hat-trick? Are you, are you serious there? I mean, come on. You know, let's be let's be real. Uh, and then she scored four, a fourth and fifth goal. I mean, that's, that's an insane, insane personal achievement. You know, you, you absolutely celebrate those. Why wouldn't you? You know? So I have no problem with her celebrations. Um, on top of that, you had Mallory Pugh scoring her first ever World Cup goal. Again... How do you not celebrate that? You know, it's it's your first goal on the grand stage. You you're gonna celebrate, all right? Do you want to say maybe Megan Rapinoe should? You know, because she's been here, done that. Should she have been more professional? I guess maybe. Carly Lloyd is another one where it's like, look, she was just out there to prove something, and I love that about her. So again, I'm not gonna complain about the celebration. Um, now, and this kind of goes back to uh, you know, Casey Jones is. Uh, uh, t- tweet before is there a target on our back now are we the villains if we are so what so what if we're the villains every tournament needs a villain we've dominated this tournament year in year year in year out you know let us be the villains you know <laughs> we'll wear that badge fantastically all right um and you know and it's just it's so what are you really gonna be upset if we win the world cup as the villains i'm not I'm going to be cheering, cheering my ass off. There's no question about that. So uh, I'm all for it. Um, it's not going to bother, nothing bothers me about the U.S. women's right now. And I would say this, um, you know, I was listening to Total Soccer Show Review last night. And that's a great show. They're doing a great job with the Women's World Cup. You should absolutely check them out. Um, please give them a listen. And if you have not done it to Daryl Groves, uh, go find me. You should do that too. Uh, he has cancer, unfortunately. Um they talked about how, you know, the women's national team showed a level of ruthlessness against Thailand. Um, wouldn't it be nice if the U.S. men's national team in their last two games showed that level of ruthlessness? Wouldn't it be nice if they had that kind of urgency? Think about that for a second. And then, uh, one, you know, one other point I want to make actually about the goal scoring is what were they supposed to do? You know, take everything else out of it. You know, sportsmanship. um, the fact that goal differential is a tiebreaker, take all of that out of it. What were they supposed to do? Did you anybody who watched that game cannot tell me they shouldn't have gone for 13 goals? Thailand, look, is a vastly inferior team. It's the unfortunate byproduct of 
much of the world still not caring about the women's game. Um, it, it's so Thailand is just a weak team when you come right down to it. And if you watch the game, they didn't attack, they didn't press the ball. Were the women's were the U.S. women supposed to just pass it back and forth between the defenders for twenty minutes? No, of course not. Of course they're going to push the ball up. Of course they're going to go for more. So you know, if you look at how the game played out, it just you can't get mad at them for scoring thirteen goals. Uh, so that was a hell of a, a game. My only worry would be, I really, and I don't think they will. I think the women, the U.S. women have, have been there, done that mentality. I think they know that the job's not done. But my only hope is that they don't rest on the laurels of a 13-goal victory that shows that right now it looks like they are the team to beat. Um, you know, I hope they don't get complacent. But once again, I think with players like Lloyd, Morgan, Rapino. Uh, O'Hara, these veterans who've been there, I, I don't think they will. I think they know that there's still a job to do. And that job continues uh, this Sunday at noon, uh, Father's Day, on Fox proper. They will be playing Chile, who is actually ranked lower than Thailand in the FIFA World's rankings, although Chile did only just drop uh, 2-0 to Sweden. So it'll be very interesting to see what the women can do against Chile. Uh, I will... Possibly be at Derby Road and Scotch Plains. I hope to see some others of you there to watch this game. Uh, there's a chance I might not be. It depends on if my people can organize. Um, you know, I, I'm going with like a five goal, five nothing result. Um, you know, I, I, I don't exactly see it playing out like it did against Thailand, despite the FIFA rankings. Uh, but I am thinking U.S. scores five or five or more. Doesn't let one in. Uh, should be another interesting one before the they wrap things up next Friday. I guess. Er, no, I'm sorry. That's next Thursday, right? Against Sweden. Ooh, which means I should probably preview Sweden, shouldn't I? Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, next Thursday uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern, the United States will take on Sweden. Uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern, it will be also televised on Fox. I will also try to be a Derby Road for this one. Um, so again, hope to see you there. Sweden is a tougher opponent. Let's not forget, this is the team that knocked the U.S. out of the Olympics in the quarterfinals. So it will be a tougher game. I do have faith in our women. Um, but I think you're, you're probably going to look for a more conventional score. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win there. Um, but again, I see the women taking the group. It, you know, it, it's possible. You know, let's just say Sweden stumbles against... Thailand, uh, it's possible to take the foot off the gas, maybe rest a few players. But, uh, again, I, I see Jill Ellis and company just going all out and taking out Sweden. Um, and uh, it should be a fun one. Um, again, a bit more competitive uh, when things come. And, uh, you know, before I forget, kudos Alex Morgan. She was in a bit of a goal-scoring trap for this Thailand game. Hopefully the five goals uh, really get her unlocked for the rest of the tournament. All righty. So, um... <laughs> I guess it's up for the betting corner now, right? Um, I didn't even really think about this, but I guess we're going to go with some women's games. Uh, I'll start with tomorrow. Let's take a quick look at my DraftKings Sportsbook. So, tomorrow, we got Japan and Scotland playing. We've got Jamaica and Italy. And we got England and Argentina. All right, you want a three-team parlay here? My heart says Scotland over Japan because I am Scottish, um, but... Let's, we're going to have to go with Japan on that one. Um, Italy should beat Jamaica based on form, and England should beat Argentina. So there's your three-team parlay. I don't exactly know how much money you can make off that because uh, the odds for Italy and England are quite high for them to win. So 
But there you go. You want to do a three-team parlay? Go for it. If you've been listening to my parlays so far, you've lost money. So just putting that out there. And Shruman is not here, so I'm going to have to take over Terrible Team of the Week. And guess who gets it? That's right. It's the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, They played awfully. You're on notice. Show us what you can do this Tuesday against Guyana. Give us some hope. All right? It's been far too long since we've had something to cheer about with the U.S. Men's National Team. All right, well, this has been a solo episode of the Red Bull Rant. I have ranted for a while now. Hopefully it wasn't boring. Hopefully it was entertaining. Um, And hopefully the next show will have more than one person because our schedules have been crazy this year because this is our second solo show of the year. All right, but you know where you can find us. We're at Twitter, at Red Bull Rant. I'm at PMACD82. Jay is at Doc Stude. Truman is at The Truman. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Please give us a rating, uh, a good one preferably, and let us know how we're doing. All right, so for my two boys who are away, Jay and Truman, this is Pat McDonald. This has been episode 313 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and go USA!